Hello, everybody, and welcome to Alaska Tracy's podcast. Here you can hear about business and marketing tips and tools, as well as inspirational messages. So who do you know that might be a good fit for Alaska Tracy's podcast? Please send them to Alaska spelled out, Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at alaskatracy.com. I invite you to sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Biz Vision with Alaska Tracy, where we talk social media marketing, all things business, and inspiration. And now your host, Alaska Tracy. So welcome, everybody, to this week's episode with a very special guest, Chris Edmonds. Welcome, Chris. Tracy, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's it's a wonderful excuse for us to finally, after... Six, eight years of actually interacting pretty steadily, but to actually talk live. This is pretty cool. This is wonderful. And Chris, you're joining from Denver, correct? I am actually up in the mountains outside of Denver. We're in the little burg called Conifer, Colorado. And it's again, it's like 48 degrees. It's weird. It should be snowing and it's not. So we'll get over it. So Chris is sitting in his mountain home in Denver, and I'm in my little mountain, our little mountain home up in the mountains in Alaska. So how cool. And we do have snow, and it was eight degrees this morning. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have real, you've got real <laughs> weather. We're not there yet. We'll get there. So Chris, and I do this all the time. I start to read people's bio, and then I just go into the interview. I think it's important to just explain a little bit about Chris's background, Chris helps leaders create purposeful, positive, productive work cultures. Love those words. Mm -hmm. Chris is an author, speaker, and executive consultant who is the founder of the Purposeful Culture Group and one of Inc. Magazine's 100 Great Leadership Speakers and was featured at SXSW 2015. South by Southwest. It was pretty cool. South by Southwest. And you're also the author of Amazon's bestseller, The Culture Engine, and five, not four, <laughs> five other books. My cute little soft covers, yes. Holy cow. Chris's blogs, podcasts, and videos are at Driving Results Through Culture. He tweets on organizational culture, servant leadership, and workplace inspiration and you can find chris and this is this is the first time chris and i've had a conversation we've yeah. talked on twitter for years at s c e d m o n d s and if you did not understand what i just said check the show notes because i'll put all of chris's information in in the show notes very cool what a gift to talk to you. Thank you. Man, I always learn so much about people having a com an actual conversation. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Let's dive in. Yeah. So way back when, what was your vision hmm. in life, in business, in your career? Yeah, the, I, I was one of those that grew We have to go way back to, to when I was 12 and saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Yes, I was alive then. Uh, I was probably 11. And I, and I realized that, that though my mom and dad, they enjoyed music, they didn't play instruments. And I thought, 
I'm going to play guitar. So uh, my, my dream for many, many years, and it cost me a semester and a half in college, was to chase a record deal, was, was to perform. And, and I've been playing guitars and, and performing for folks. You know, if they, if they give you a dollar, all of a sudden you're a pro. So, so I've, been, I've been playing professionally since the 70s. And, wow. And in fact, I'm in a working band now. Um, 20 feet from us is a studio with instruments and humidified cabinets because it's very dry up in the mountains, which is not good for, for guitars and banjos and mandolins and such. So, so my real vision was to be on stage and, and to impact people's lives. Now, that actually does inform quite a bit my evolution as a business person, business consultant. And, and I think there's a link there, so hang on. So my father was a mortgage banker, and uh, he had inherited his father's firm, so it was, you know, two generations. Uh, Dad actually went on and became the commissioner of real estate in the state of California in the early 80s for eight years. And so, you know, that, that, successful business person in the family. That's a, that's a pretty powerful role model. And I thought, mm, no, I don't want to be a politician, right? And it was like, do you want to run you know, my mortgage business? And I'm like, no. So my brother, organic chemist, was remotely interested, doctor when he was 26 of, of organic chemistry. And so neither of his sons was interested in his business, which I think depressed dad just a little. But, but, my viewpoint was I want to be involved in helping build character in others. And the way I actually went about that was my own experience as a, a YMCA brat. You know, dad took uh -huh. me in kindergarten to be in the Indian Guides. That was very, very popular in the 50s. Um, so I actually started working for the YMCA out of college. I was a program director and an executive director. Uh, wow. had small branches, big branches. Last one was a multi-million dollar, you know, adult fitness, you know, childcare on site, the whole, the whole mess, and, and was really inspired by that. And... Um, my transition of, you know, kind of building character in kids, building character in adults, um, my transition was I went from having my best boss on the planet in the YMCA mm -hmm. to the worst. And it literally, it was, it was a, a, across the bay up in San Francisco, and it was from a very validating, very values-aligned thing to a very performance-only uh, kind of piece with some very different values being lived. And I thought, how, how, how does that happen? And of course, you know, our listeners have, have experienced great bosses and poor bosses and that kind of dynamic before. And I realized that what I was in at that time wasn't going to work for me. So I was going to quit. Of course, my lovely wife said, we have these bills. So, so <laughs> that, right, that push pull. And um, a YMCA colleague, a gal that I'd met in high school, um, and, and we'd been in the Y for years together, had started working at the Federal Reserve Bank in San Francisco, back across the bank. She said, you need to come meet my boss. So long story short, I got a job offer there, and within a month was introduced to Ken Blanchard. We brought Ken up to speak to our, our senior leadership team of, of that, that district uh, Federal Reserve System and got immersed in Blanchard stuff. And, and what was interesting is I was trying to get away from you know, a, a less than perfect fit boss-wise. I started doing consulting and started doing leadership training for other YMCA's because it was the it was the perfect fit, right? I knew the life very well, and uh, was really really fun to to begin to. 
uh, kind of take that goal of building character and, and helping leaders be more effective to do so with my own little business, right? And um, there, there I was kind of getting into the Federal Reserve and, and meeting Ken and, and um, Ken basically told my my colleague and I, Sue Thompson, who's still a dear friend, she said, he said to us, you guys ought to come work for us. And I looked at Sue and she said, don't you even think about it. So it took me a little while. But, but I did start working for Ken and, and exposed to some of the most brilliant thinkers, great writers, founding associates at Blanchard, got a chance to do my own development, my own writing, uh, built some programs that won some awards. But, but the transition that was most impactful for me was an opportunity that Ken actually provided saying, you know, we've got this little book, Gung Ho, which in 98 was a worldwide bestseller, and said, I keep getting, you know, I'm doing these keynotes, and I keep, I keep getting requests from audience members about a program. He says, would you help build a program? So a couple of uh. us and I were able to build that program, which was the award-winning program by HR Exec Magazine, but it got me back into the idea of training and development is fabulous so long as the culture supports what you're trying to build, what you, what you, the skills you're building. If the culture doesn't allow those skills, there's no chance of them being acted upon, right? So the idea of, of let, let's, let's kind of work on this culture thing. So um, it was really fun. I had some of my own clients worked with the, 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 some of the Blanchard clients that were interested in in. in being more intentional about culture and literally this this desire and this clarity to want to help leaders build purposeful, positive, productive work cultures really gained traction. And I was able to go back in time and look at some of my uh, experiences in the YMCA and, and, and with, with business clients that were in the for-profit world and built this wonderful, repeatable, proven process. And so ultimately, I'm still back to building character and I'm building better organizations, organizations that are more fun and less frustrating, right? And and the idea though is still that that if I'm gonna leverage the skill set that I have and the passions that I have, then then I need to figure out a way of uh, doing a book, right? That's an interesting process and certainly was uh, exposed to one of the best authors on the planet and Ken Blanchard. Oh. Um, but but was able to really accept the fact that you know, the consulting work is not what Blanchard does. Uh, and and if I'm going to do that consulting work, I need to build my own business. And so that was a different vision that came really to fruition over the last seven, eight years or so. So, But again, I, I am convinced I am still serving that core need of building character. So really, it was only the last seven or eight years that you mm -hmm. went off on your yes. own consulting journey. It is, and it's interesting because I've had that, you know, I did my LLC way back when, right? In 1990 was when I first built, you know, that consulting firm. And I've kept it, and I've had some client work that I've done, um, but but I was, you know, so joyously, you know, enjoying the Blanchard experience and having salespeople all over the globe and traveling, mm -hmm. et cetera. But, but the reality was that the, the most 
gratifying work that I did was not keynote speaking. That's very exciting, and, and you can charge all kinds of cool money for it, but it's very much awareness. That's, that's at best all you're going to get out of that, and I really enjoyed the digging into the mock of it, right, of, of how, how did – I don't think you built this culture to have it be so frustrating for everybody, so let's take a look at this, right, yeah. and to actually inspire senior leaders, number one, that their jobs uh, are more – involved than just managing results and I tell leaders all the time you know your 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 efforts to to increase performance and to manage results that's good that's great that's half your job and they look at me like what do you mean <laughs> right and it's the other half is managing a civil relationship with every player on, in your organization it's managing workplace inspiration and so as I got more and I'm going to say confident, and that's that's really what happened. It's almost like, you know, I kind of popped my head up and realized that if if I'm going to be able to reach the organizations that leaders really do want to change their culture, fix their culture, right, make it less frustrating for people to try to to get stuff done in, then then I need to do this on my own. And uh, and literally, it was 2012 when I did the first soft cover book, the one of the the culprit culture tweet books. I'd been probably doing. I was on Twitter from '09 on, but I didn't understand it until about 2011 or so, <laughs> right? Which was about the time where we got into the lead from within chat yeah, with, with yeah. the brilliant Lolly Dascal, yeah. and and started to realize the power of, of of social media. But but really, it was meeting a, a brand strategist and me kind of describing this vision, and him saying, "You're not you're you're not going to do this." Uh, unless you get very bold and you stay very true to, you know, the big idea I had, which is, you know, an organizational constitution. Let's make values as important as results every day. And all of a sudden, we've got engagement growth that's that's stunning, customer service growth that's stunning, and what a surprise, profits and results growth. <sighs> And of course, those senior leaders go, "Tell me about the profits and results again." It's like, okay, I get it, I get it, but but let's 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 educate you to make sure that you are as intentional about the quality of the workplace relationships as you are with the results, and and that's what I do. And and literally, I did not start proactively. And I'm going to say, with the guidance of some really cool, smart people getting my brand clear and getting my marketing so laser focused on on helping leaders build purposeful positive productive work cultures man so how do you so because of the brand expert and and being so laser clear mm -hmm. your messaging mm -hmm. you're attracting clients from all over the globe is that correct I am, and and it's interesting because I'm old, and and I've been <laughs> right, and I've been not, doing, but. I've been doing the flying life for a long time. You know, I've got two million miles on on American, and nearly a million on United, and that's a lot of airplanes. And people go, oh, you get to travel, you get to see the world. That's so glamorous. Oh my God, it's not right. What is what is attractive? I keep, I keep waiting for the Star Trek beaming thing to get figured out. <laughs> Because then travel will be nothing, right? And we'll really literally be able to go and, and enjoy the client relationships and that digging and that fun kind of 
education process and inspiration process for leadership without the airplanes and right hotels and all that stuff. Yeah. So I do have clients all over the place. And in fact, just with, with a couple of, of colleagues that I bring in for big uh, events, Sean Murphy, whom you know, and Mark Babbitt, whom you know, um, of Work IQ. They've been running Switch and Shift for years together. Uh, but the three of us just presented an RFP, RFQ, uh, for a global multinational looking for culture leadership training. And, and of course, I said, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll do that. But you don't have a training problem. You have a strategic problem, and so training is not going to fix your culture, but a combination of clear guidance to the executive team and from that executive team will make that training help align to the values you want and the behaviors you want and the the servant purpose you want. And so you're right. It's that the, the clarity of one of the things that I was uh, the first message that my brand strategist, a guy named Mark Levy at levyinnovation.com. He's brilliant. I was going to um, ask you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mark is Mark is absolutely brilliant, and I and I keep sending him to other authors and and whatnot because he helped with my book proposal and on and on and on. But but one of the things Mark told me early on, he says your blog posts are great. You write well. He said, but I don't know if you're talking about leadership or servant leadership or culture or team or customer service. He says, you're all over the place. And that's not going to help you stand out. And I thought, but that means I have to leave all these things over here and go to this one. And he said, uh-huh. And so that trust was built upon the laser focus helps it helps others understand more of what I can do and what I do. And, and so I do, it's so interesting. I'm convinced, and, and Ken Blanchard is, is, is such a, a brilliant guy and been so supportive and such a mentor. And, and Ken himself would say, he says, I've written the same story about a hundred times, right? Because it's the, it's the core idea. And my big idea is that organizational constitution and the idea that if we make values observable, tangible, measurable, then you can actually make the way people treat each other as tactically important and as measurable as, as performance standards. And now you've got two things to hold people accountable for. And the reality is, if you actually do the values thing right, the performance just thrives ah. so it's, it's really it's really cool and you're right I, I've got I've got opportunities globally uh, I've done geez a dozen proposals in the last two months oh my and and you know the reality is oh my god what if all these come true <laughs> it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be challenging right because these are long involved deals this is not a you know one-day gig it's a it's a rather involved discovery process and a defined process process with leaders face-to-face -face and and a consulting kind of relationship after that and it's uh it's really fun it's it's such an interesting dynamic because it's almost as though once leaders get to the space where they realize that people don't treat each other very well around here and and we're trying to get we're, we're trying to make our customers our most important asset and our employees hate each other <laughs> mm -hmm. and maybe that's an extrapolation right and, and an exaggeration to some extent but there's a lot of really lousy relationships that happen if the only thing that matters is results and so right. I go back to character it's like who are you 
when you treat your family members in a certain way, when you treat your neighbors in a certain way, when you treat your colleagues in a certain way, and, and what you stand for, the principles you stand for are very obvious to the rest of us because we're watching. And, and if you want to be more intentional about a, a mix of, of behaviors that show a servant heart and, a, and character that's in service to others, now, now we got something. And it's, it's, it's such a gratifying experience. And I know I said that before, but, but that's, that's, the, that's the joy. So you um, love what you do. I really do. I really do. And and God love the fact that I've been doing this long enough and have a great deal of of experience and credibility. I'm not cheap. But right. We were talking about that. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I love, we were talking about somebody that I coached with, and, and I love the line that she used with me because it made her more attractive to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might not be the one, the coach for you and that's okay. Yeah. And I use that all the time. I, yeah. I might not, you know, I've been playing phone tag with somebody and you, you touched on it. It's clarifying what, what your mission and your brand is. Yeah. And I'm letting go of how a lot of people have known me. So they're sending clients my way mm -hmm. and I'm, trusting even though i live with a finance guy who probably <laughs> is saying really you didn't return that are you yeah, yeah, yeah. Real? I, 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 you know I, again yeah. i'm 51 now and i have a little bit more confidence i'm trusting that yeah. the clearer i am with my brand and the universe mm -hmm. i'll mm -hmm. be taken care of i always am and it's, it, it's but it's a it's such an interesting mind challenge right? oh. and it's and it's and as our spouses have been married to diane for 38 lovely years uh, apparently i'm trainable right and and the idea though that i'm gonna i'm gonna quit a salary job and i'm gonna go you know try and see if if working with the blanchard company is gonna work and that was petrifying you know, literally for us both, but but it is the trust, and it is the attraction of you know Ken saw something in me, and and you know I'm I'm indebted to him forever for that. But but my learning helped me evolve, and I I got to a spot where I realized if this is the stuff, and I still do work for Blanchard clients. I was in Dallas yesterday with a Blanchard client. Oh. Love them dearly. I, you know, I, I understand the, the, the need for this particular client's been doing leadership development, and, and I got to do a building trust session with them. And, oh. and they're seriously interested in how do we remove behaviors and decisions and plans and interactions that erode trust. And I'm like, that's right up my alley, right? So, so it's interesting, but long, long time clients with Blanchard that I still work with. Um, but I probably do 60% of my time with clients that I, I do a lot of filtering. I do a lot of, let me tell you what this is going to require of you as president of this organization, right? Or, or of you as senior vice president of this plant or uh, of, this, of this pharmaceutical sales division. You know, you're not going to be able to delegate this to the HR geeks. That's not fair, right? Mm -hmm. Because the only thing that makes an impression 
is what gets measured, monitored, and rewarded. So we're going to change systems. We're going to change the way you measure, monitor, and reward things. We're going to change what a good salesperson, a good leader on the front line of this, you know, multi-billion dollar plant, right? How they treat others makes a huge difference. And so, so there's, a, there's a degree of, if you're willing to let me in, then I'm going to be pretty critical. Mm-hmm. And I'll be funny. Uh, I, will, I will make it light where I can, but you're going to have to look at some people. You're going to have to look at some practices. You're going to look at what you reward. And, you're, and I'm, and I'm going to be, I'm never going to shut up. You're going to have me for 18 months, probably two years, and I'm going to be noisy and I'm going to be a source of static and we'll laugh, but I'm not going to let you off the hook. And, and that, that takes... That takes a leader that is that is finally kind of ready. Surrendered? Yeah, there because there is. We know what the rat race is like. We know what the Wall Street mindset does. And it's and it's not just the US, but it's Western influence across the globe. And and there's some cool things that have happened because of Western influence, but there's some really stupid things that have happened as well. Mm. And there's and there's some loss in 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 really the the ability to have organizations see themselves as in service to their employees, their communities, and their customers, and and that's that's not a common mindset. And I just did a. Uh, I have. So, I'm so blessed to have outlets that that allow me to <laughs> kind of go go a bit nuts, right? And I've been doing video blogging now for about the last year, which is has really been fun because that's a different creative. Avenue. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally geeked out at, at Adobe's Premiere Pro. That's geeky, right? Because I'm doing video editing, and, it's, and it actually works. It's good. But, but I did a, a piece for Smart Brief, and, and, and it'll come in here in another couple of weeks. That's about, the, uh, you know, mind your P's and Q's. But I said, let's mind your P's and D's. And the P's are, not surprisingly, if you want a purposeful, positive, productive culture, then you have to completely eliminate interactions that demean, discount, and dismiss people's ideas and their efforts and their accomplishments. And the problem we face is that as we look at social media, as we look at at the political spectrum, the demean, discount, and dismiss, that's almost like, you know, the calling card. Mm-hmm. And yet it doesn't build trust. It doesn't build respect. People don't feel valued or validated and the reality is our workplaces are where people spend a lot of their time every week so why don't we make these a little more sane a little more a little more god forbid fun yeah so as you've been going along i'm sure you've encountered some bumps some (laughs) challenges along the way can you share some of your bumps and challenges and how you've walked through those yeah and and i and i'm still going through some i mean part of the idea of 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 being more intentional with my own unique value and my own brand and and therefore investing time and energy and marketing that um a lot of folks who knew me as you know a ymca executive as a as a a team slash leadership consultant as a you know expert facilitator with with the blanchard organization i was stepping outside of that 
quite a bit and saying, yep, I can do all those things, but this is what, this is what I think uh, where I can make the most beneficial impact to homes <laughs> and to neighborhoods, et cetera. And, and, and yet it was stepping away from, which meant there was a risk. And I remember calling Mark, poor Mark, probably four months in going, I have, I have not earned enough money to pay you right to refund to recover the money i bought you for and he laughed and said yeah i know, I know. it's coming it's coming but it could take oh. a year. it could take a year and my yeah. my my lovely wife who is our cfo is going you know we're 40 grand down to uh -huh. budget right we're 50 grand down to budget and it's like well i can always i can i know where i can make money right um i know what i can do and so that's an interesting one because there's quite a bit of faith having to, to reside in this is the right thing and people are going to care about this and people are going to respond to this. Um, I, I had such grand hopes for um, you know, some of my soft cover books and, and blessed as I'll get out to be able to, to have John Wiley and Sons publish my Culture Engine book in, in 2014. That came about very, very, very quickly. But, but the senior editor there, who's just delightful, said, you're not going to make a dime. You're not going to make a dime in this book. And I'm thinking, this is my big billboard, right? right? This, is, <laughs> this is the marketing thing. Right. And, it's, and there's a lot of time invested. And, and, and the marketing of the book, that's not cheap. You know, publishers don't do that. You know, the, the internet's changed a lot of industries, you know, not, not the least of which is the music industry, which is another story. But it certainly changed publishing. And so, and so that, that was an interesting piece. It took about 18 months for me to actually be able to see the pipeline and to be able to, to manage the pipeline and to trust that, you know, I'm really not going around the country doing free one-day deals and then selling, you know, my soul in the back of the room. I'm not mm -hmm. doing that because that's not where I can make the most beneficial difference. Um, I need to get into the heads and hearts uh, of, of and hands of senior leaders, which means I have to go about this different. It's a different way of me serving. And, and so that, that was the big one. That was no question. That was the big one. And here I am, you know, 55 years of age or whatever, kind of going, I'm going to go write books and I'm going to, I'm going to try and model what Ken's done around marketing these ideas and whatnot. And, and it was, it was a, it was a big, big risk, but, but to be honest, the idea of, Trusting, we, we we spoke a little bit about, you know, how do you price your, your your services? How do you create an avenue where, if you're going to have your business work, then you have to make money. You have to actually price yourself uh, so that if I'm going to do, you know, I used to do 100, 150 days a year of Blanchard. And and my take was right a portion of not a bad portion right I made a lot of money for Blanchard and they they paid me a lot of money for doing it which is great but mm -hmm. as you go into a solopreneur thing it's a very different gig it's like I can do this you know for for a thousand dollars a day it's like that won't even cover the house payment right because I'm not doing five days a week of work right right I'm doing five days a week a month 
And so you start to realize the dynamic of how much time and energy am I going to put into my own blog posts and my own podcast, which I did for about four years. You did. And, and how, how am I going to, I'm still paying for write the podcast service, though I'm now doing video, it's like I still get great traffic to the podcast. And, I, and there's a degree of I've been so blessed by outlets like Fast Company and Forbes and, and Smart Brief and HRPS, uh, which is Sherm's executive network, uh, to have these platforms where <laughs> I can spout, right? This is the truth. This is going to make a difference. If you're willing to go down this path with me, you're going to have a much more satisfying work relationship and you're going to have probably more satisfying family and neighborhood relationships as well because we just get into the values that make sense for us. But I had to accept that it was going to take a year or two for me to be able to actually remotely meet that first budget that I wrote, right? Because it's going to take a while. People you know, are they going to make a decision after they read my first blog post? No. Are they maybe going to make a decision to reach out and have a conversation after the 20th time they listen to a podcast, see a video, read a post on three or four different outlets? So, so the marketing of, I still only got one idea. I got one stinking idea. And, and it's a very important idea and it actually works, right? And so... I had to invest the time and energy to trust that the marketing avenues I was taking, the brand I was building, the messages that I was putting out right into this world were going to be strong enough that leaders would actually say, yeah, we need to talk to this guy. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, and it it's, inter it's interesting because there's, there's the idea of, you know, there's thousands of really good trainers, facilitators, speakers. Oh, my God. I've been involved in, in the NSA uh, National Speakers Association chapter here uh, in, in Colorado, which is one of the strongest chapters on the planet, and seeing amazing speakers. And, and they're building businesses that are purely around the speaking business, which is not what I do. I, I, I definitely do keynotes, but it's 10, 15% of my business. And I enjoy that because mm -hmm. that's, that's, the, that's the entertainment thing, right? That's the, it is, isn't it? Right? The musician on stage thing, right? But, yeah. but the idea is that I'm learning about how they sell their business. I'm learning how they market themselves mm -hmm. and the hurdles that they went through and the challenges of having an idea and having someone else grab something similar and promote it. And, and I have not faced that, but, but, but I, you know, there, there's such an interesting, it, it's so easy on the internet to make any idea look like yours, you know, and if that's yeah. where you're going to go, then God love you, right? And in, mm -hmm. in my view, it's like the trolls don't matter. You know, I you know I had a heart attack in December of 1993. Mm. Apparently, I'm not done yet, and I'm way healthier than I was then. But there's the idea of you know, does does this particular player deserve you know a lawsuit? And it's like, oh, that's a lot of work, and it's a lot of heartache. And so I've been blessed 
right? Who knows? Knocking on wood, right? Um, that that these ideas stand alone. These ideas make sense, and and people are responding to them, which is which is really cool. But boy, there was a lot of trust, uh, and having to be, having to be much more patient than than uh, was natural for me as I as I kind of you know walked down this path. I heard an interesting or read an interesting thing about being an author because I've these two books that I've been working on forever and in my, ah, good for you. my brain keeps telling me I'll be somebody when I blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm reading um, Big Magic, the author oh, of Eat, Sleep, yeah. Pray. I always get it yes. wrong. Melissa yes. Gilbert, uh, I think. Yes. And she said, here's the deal. You want to be an author? Great. Make sure that you're writing the book for yourself yeah because we don't need to be fixed <laughs> and, you know like we That's all think cool. we're gonna write a book to help people yeah and she yeah. said and I've done it with that yeah. intention write the book for yourself yeah and I and and with the intention that you're going to learn something about yourself from writing the book so and true. it switched my whole way of thinking yeah just like you said, write the book. Don't expect to make millions. No. <laughs> and maybe don't expect anybody to like it. And, and maybe you will, right? Like she said, <laughs> she's like, I never knew eat, sleep, pray, or whatever that's called. She said, yeah. I had no clue, yeah. none, that that was going to, like, none. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, the same speaking. You know, before I just had a speaking thing last week, and mm -hmm. in my head, am I going to sell anything? I, well, no, because they're probably not the people to buy from me, right. really. Right. So right before I got up there, I, I just said a little to the universe, mm -hmm. help me to be of service to somebody yeah. today, you yeah. know? Because these ideas are powerful, and, and, and it's such an interesting shift from I got to make money, uh -huh. And that, there's that desperate concern that I won't, right? Uh, and the reality is, you know, we could change our lifestyle, right? I could sell some guitars. And, yeah. right, there, yeah. there's all kinds of choices that we can make. And, and if we are genuinely providing legitimate value to others, that's going to get around. Eg exactly. Exactly. And if it doesn't get around, we're still providing genuine benefit to yeah. others. Yeah, it was perfect. The end of this, it was a big broadcaster's convention. And, okay. you know, you get all hyped up after yeah. the speak. I don't know if you do or not, but yeah, I do. Absolutely. And absolutely. there's ego and pride and all that. And I try to not come home and talk to my husband right away because <laughs> sometimes he'll be like, okay, can we quit talking about you now? And, you know, I mean, like, it gets bad. So it's true. I met a, a young lady in a little remote part of Alaska and – and brainstormed with her yeah. and it was wonderful and yeah. that's it yeah. like bingo yeah it's that was it and i said to her you are you're the reason i'm here today bingo yeah. yeah yeah that's so cool and you know what's what's so interesting about that our poor our poor partners slash spouses <laughs> you know watch us and you know i'm always in front of the computer and i'm writing and i'm cussing because i can't figure out the right language right for this sentence right i'm yeah. <laughs> of an anal perfectionist from from the writer's perspective but but the idea that you know solopreneurs it comes it comes with the logical 
definition that this is a solitary life. This is a very independent kind of, uh, you're captaining a ship, but it's a really small ship. It's just you, baby. And I've got some folks that, that I, I've, I've found that I surround myself with. I've got a brilliant PR person, a brilliant editor, um, and so a brilliant virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, how do these folks start to take things that I don't actually have to spend my brain cells on? Right, and and got this wonderful idea. One of my other uh, longtime social media connections and, and compatriots is a guy named Max Brown out of out of Idaho, uh, northern Utah. And S. Max Brown, great great leadership thinker, great great writer. And he and I have had the and the Alaska thing is very similar, right? It's that he's a hunter and he took his dad out bow hunting again this season for deer season. And you know, there's there's I never grew up with that because I was in LA, right? Oh but, yeah. But the, uh, the feel of elk and deer and fox and we're out here in the middle of nowhere, right? Uh-huh. And and Max and I realized that our philosophies were so alike. And so one of the benefits was he said, let's do an event together. So we started planning an event. And I grabbed Mark Babbitt and Mark and his wife and, and son JW moved to Colorado Springs about a year ago. And Mark and I had been connected for some time. But them being this close let me connect. And I said, we got to get Mark to speak. And we have to get Sean to speak. And one of of Max's fabulous compatriots in Utah's Fatima Duman, who's with Authentic Strengths, brilliant writer, brilliant thinker, was the head of training and development for Covey for oh. like 17 years, and one of my ex-YMCA and current Blanchard colleagues uh, who, who does some stuff on her own, a woman named Ann Phillips. So there's six of us going to do an event in April in Denver, and oh. four of us got to get together a couple of weeks ago just to start talking through what's our content how are we going to support each other what kind of an event do we want you know do we want to sell books in the back no let's give our books away let's give oh them- good but but the coolest thing about this face-to-face connection and about planning this event is that i'm not doing this solo anymore right i'm learning from people who've been at this and have a slightly different take, right? They see their business and they see their market as slightly different than mine, but I can learn from that, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the other piece that I'd say is is one of the biggest hurdles that I've had to get past is is the belief that this is going to be easier if I know everything and therefore <laughs> I can make no, right? I'll make no de- decisions that are wrong or, or much less ever make any mistakes, right? And the idea is you moron, you're going to make stupid decisions every day and where you're going to learn is is you have to make yourself vulnerable and say, I don't know what I'm doing. With mm-hmm. that project over there, with that client right there, I am totally at the end of my rope. I've tried everything I've freaking tried, and I'm not getting through to this this guy yet, right? Or this gal yet. And so the the what what is such a blessing here in the last couple of years with with working with Sean, working with Mark, working with Tamara McCleary, who's who's here in Denver, um, having having the ability to trust someone with with some of my you know stupid ideas, right? Stupid questions, you know, weird concerns. Um, to be able to have a tribe that you can really trust and and and, and 
have them help you see number one you're doing way better than you think you are number two that's a really stupid idea <laughs> don't do that right yeah. but but the idea of of battling this classic western independent gunslinger kind of i'm going to do it all myself to there's some really smart people i can learn from and the more i can learn from them the better i love that yeah. oh i've learned so much from this recording as i do always wonderful it went really fast for for me holy cow you know, when I started this podcast, I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea why I was doing it. Like, you know, when I'm working with people, I say, have a vision and then let me help you do your vision board and we're yeah. going to do steps and implement. No, I just had this idea and yeah. for years and then thought, I'll just do a podcast. And it's just turned into a wonderful way to connect with leaders like yourself and like Terry class yeah. uh, and learn so much and yeah. be inspired and well, want to be better. Well, and I so appreciate the, the, the opportunity, as you might imagine, one of the things that I learned around the book launch was you're going to do a lot of podcasts, right? And, and the ones that, that um, you know, all of them I appreciate. I'm still doing marketing for the book with every breath, you know? But the idea is casual conversations like this about, so, so did you want to be this when you grew up? You know, it's like, yeah. what was your view? And, and what are you trying to accomplish? And how's that going? And where were the, where were you drowning? Right. This is the reality of, of how you run a business and, 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 and whether or not you've got the support around you mm -hmm. to, to make that vision come true. And it, and it's boy, it's a, it's an interesting learning process every day. And it's not for everybody. No. No, no, it's really not. And, 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 I, and I see that as, as, as a true benefit. And I, I, I never saw myself as an independent. And, and, you know, the life with Blanchard really helped me have colleagues I trusted, but in a home office, you know, I didn't have to go into it, the office all the time. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and that, you know, all evolved along with the, the culture consulting success to kind of like, there's nobody else doing this. And, and, and I'm really feeling called to do it. And, and so to be able to talk through some of those learnings has been great, Tracy. Oh, well, thank you so much. I know you are a very busy man, so I really appreciate your time today. And I'll put – I just have a whole page of notes with names and books and awesome. – uh, so I'll put a lot of the links in the show notes for Absolutely. listeners to be able to connect with you. And, and thank you again, Chris. It's been, what a gift. It has been a gift. And thank you for reaching out. So, so pleased with, with the vision that you have and, and how this is gaining traction. So delighted to be a part of it. Wonderful. Thank you, everybody, for joining in today. Stay tuned for more inspirational business, social media podcasts coming up. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.